This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I'm the father of two youngsters, and like parents and grandparents around Canada, I'm terrified by the dangers that lurk on the internet for our children. We have rigorous safety standards, for things like my son's Lego at home. Yet somehow, none for the most dangerous toy, not just in my home, but every Canadian home. The screen that is in front of our children's faces. So that is the Justice Minister, and of course, I think all of us can think to a personal moment. I don't know many of us who have not had an awful moment on the internet. It it is a cesspool of misery, right? It is, you can say hi and someone will say, Go kill yourself. It is just a terrible place. And so, you know, it's not that our politicians and it's not that we can't relate to what's going on with children. It's just what do we do about it? And and in the press conference, as I watched it, a lot of the language was, you know, what is a society can we do for our children? What as, you know, a government can we do to protect children? And part of the conversation that is missing is what can parents do? Because parents are the front lines of this. And I, I'm a parent. I get it. It's not easy. I'm not going to pretend that I'm somehow magic or better than you. I know how hard it is. I'm perpetually saying no. My kid is never getting on TikTok. I'm a meanie for that. So I know how hard it is. But the parents are the front lines in this. And at what point do we actually start doing more? Let me bring in a guy who's lecturing parents all the time on these fears. Paul Davis, online safety and social network safety. He, of course, goes around to schools, talking to parents and kids about what they need to know online and how to be safe. He joins us now. Good to have you. It's been a while. Hi, Alex. Great to hear you again on the radio. I know your text you. anywhere, so I know I knew you were going to text on this. And so, look, there's going to be politics. I want to put the politics aside. You're the one in the classrooms. You're the one talking to parents and the kids. Is there a change? Have you noticed anything? Because this is anecdotal, but a lot of mums that I'm talking to now are saying, yeah, no, I'm not, he's not, they're not getting any of that stuff. So maybe there's a, a change now, but do you sense that there's a change that parents are willing to do more? Please don't take this narcissistically, but there's a reason I get asked back to schools on average every two years is because the message mm-hmm. is finally working. And so when parents hear the message, they understand how simple it is to resolve this they're finally taking action. And so the two key components to address this issue is number one, education, and number two, parenting. And of course, I'd put parenting way ahead, but with, parent, with education of parents and then parenting, we can actually solve this. My concern is that parents will see this and think, all right, great, moving forward, everything's gonna be amazing, we have legislation, we have regulation. No, nothing is going to change with the exception of potential mitigation, reduce it, nothing is going to change. I've read, okay, so you know how you have to stay in your lane, and this bill is really, really big, and I can't wait to hear you speak about freedom of expression, but to stay in my lane about the children's component and online safety, there's, first of all, we have laws in place right now for cyberbullying, intimidation, threats, harassment, racism. It's already in the books. It's not being utilized. Number two, when you look at a bunch of this component, which deals with sexuality, with sexual extortion. Well, we have Section 163.1, which already deals with it. 
And the message is that we're going to enforce it. Okay, here's the thing. When a child gets on a platform that they're not old enough to be on, that's a parenting thing. When that child gets on that platform and is subjected to bullying, threats, harassment, discrimination, racism, parents have acknowledged that they permitted their child violating the terms of service, and now they seek out to point fingers at the organizations that permitted this. Well, here's the problem, and this is a quote from the Justice Minister, and I wrote this down. Private communications are exempt from this legislation. Well, if the Justice Minister wishes to contact me, I will advise the Justice Minister that primarily com- primary communication on this whole topic is through private communication. It's not posted out there and let the world see. That happens after the fact when you want to bully someone. But by that point, the communication, the threats have happened, and now it's publicly posted. Can we remove it? Absolutely. But it takes less than a second for something to be posted and then subsequently screenshot where you can re-traumatize the individual over and over and over again. So to prevent that, we need parents to respect the rules. We need parents to make sure kids don't have technology until a certain age and allow their kids to be children. But what we're doing is we're always seeking excuses to say, well, I didn't know. I wasn't educated. I didn't know there was a terms of service at state at 13. So they like pointing fingers. They like deflecting versus taking responsibility that this could have been prevented. You are very hard in terms of saying your child is not getting TikTok until a certain age or a cell phone. That's never. a difficult it's ne- job. Never, Alex. Paul, never. Okay, let's it's go not a certain never. age, never. But that's a difficult <laughs> job. But you are doing your job as a parent to make sure you're protecting your child's eyes. And that it, it's so simple to do, but... We have changed in our parenting ways because we feel guilted into giving them something allegedly that they're the only ones who don't have. Parents every night will say they got their child's social media, they didn't read the terms of service, but they were the only one. Smartphones, $1,500 phones, they were the only ones without it. So because of the guilt that's been put on parents from the kids, they're falling to these traps. Versus parents like Alex Pearson say, no, not until this age. Well, those kids have a better chance of being protected. So legislation isn't going to do much. It's going to provide a false sense of security to parents thinking, okay, we've got this. No, you don't. I'm sorry. I'm an optimistic, glass half full kind of person. I've read the whole component of of the child piece and nothing's going to change. Yeah, I mean, my, my, my teaching and fear comes from a, a number of, of murder cases or, or bullying cases that I covered as a reporter and saw, you know, these plans done on social media and out in the open and, you know, puts fear in you. Um, but, Paul, you know, the bottom line is there's going to be a generation that's lost, right? But how do we how do you take something away when it's already been given? And, and again, how do we then change the conversation now for this new generation of kids? Say, look, you're not you're not getting on them. You're not getting on these devices until, you know, 18. I'm going to go back to parenting. This week, this, we're only on, where are we, Tuesday. Um, this was Sunday, a parent had given their child Snapchat 11. Asked me, Paul, can you have some safety? I said, I'm sorry, I can't. They're not 13. Well, my child told me I had to be 11. You see, the parent listened to the child versus reading the terms of service. But that afternoon, she said, I'm sorry, I'm going to have a really upset kid in my home, but I'll take it away. That is a parent They gave it, they made a poor choice, they corrected it. And every night I tell parents, look, if we've made the choice, we have the ability to right this ship. It's whether you want to make it happen. So the ability to take back what you've given is absolutely possible, Alex. Let me keep Paul Davis here. His life is about teaching your kids 
the dangers of social media. His job is also to teach parents. And his job is also then to get these people out of trouble when the expected happens. But what are you doing to protect your kids? Do you believe that a law is going to do it? Or as a parent, have you started taking steps? I know what I'm doing, but I, I'm one person. But are you changing the freedom you give your kid online? Because now we know. So Amanda's legacy continues to live on. And I think that it's a teaching experience for all of us. And if she were watching from wherever, um, she would be proud of that. That is the voice of Carol Todd, who we have spoken to on this show. And Amanda Todd was just 15 when she hung herself after being cyber-bullied relentlessly. And since her suicide, certainly laws have changed on cyber-bullying. But you'll get moms like, like Carol who say, yeah, please get this bill through. And I get that. I get that. A lot of these threats, though, we've talked about already have laws on the books. But the part of the conversation that's always missing for me is parents have to do more. Not, And I'm not any better or any worse than I'm just, I get the fight, but we've got to do more. So Paul Davis, uh, who does social network safety for a, a living and, and deals with these, I wanted to bring you on because I think this is such a big part of the conversation, Paul, that is missing, um, you know, every time uh, we hear from our quote unquote lawmakers. But, I, you know, again, laws are not going to ultimately save kids. So I wanted to go to a few calls um, just so pe people can maybe ask you, because they don't agree with me, it's one thing. But you're the guy who knows it all. So let me get on a phone call uh, with Joe. Good morning, Joe. Um, I got uh, Paul Davis, who is an expert in all things online safety. What says you? Do you think a law will work, or what do you want to happen? Um, well, no, I don't. I mean, the legislation is going to work, but if parents aren't going to be there to watch their kids, it's not going to. It's not going to work. It's, it has to come from the home. Right. We can't expect our laws and everything to govern our lives and make our children safe. Right. This has to come kids? from the home. I'm, I'm a single father of three boys, 10, 8, and 3. And let me tell you something. Uh, the amount of people that I see who are not involved with their children's lives, we go to parks, they're on their cell phones. You go out to dinner, they're on their cell phones. Something has to change within society, but it's going to have to come from the home. You know, Paul, I'll keep you on the line. Um, Joe, we know that girls get in trouble online, certainly, but boys, um, they get into quite a bit of trouble that you're called into, specifically to things like, um, you know, blackmail. Do we have Paul Davis? Oh, there we go. Sorry. Uh, sorry, your answer again, Paul. You were uh, just cut off there. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, yeah. Um, so boys traditionally, when it comes to the sexual aspect of it, are victimized through what's called sextortion. Um, and 91% of victimization are boys 12 to 19 years of age where they will take a picture of their body parts. They will send it. The individual they sent it to isn't who they say they are. They're a criminal organization. Then they extort the child to send X amount of dollars. Otherwise, the picture will be shared. Um, the problem is that these criminal organizations reside all around the world and we have no legal jurisdiction over there. And so educating boys on why we, and, and both, regardless, girls and boys, don't take pictures of your body and transmit them. You just don't do it. And, you know, I, I tremendous respect for the caller because he is one of the greatest challenges I hear from parents is that if you're a single parent, it's much more difficult. Well, he just made a point that he is. It is difficult, but he's doing what he has to do to protect his boys. And he's got the most challenging because he only has his kids perhaps X amount of time every week. Now, how does the other parent parent? 
that can cause conflict in the home because sure. one home has one set of rules, one home has another set of rules, and kids actually play homes with the lesser rules. They sure. want more time there. So props to the gentleman who called because he's got a difficult well, He's still on the line. Oh, I've got a bunch of calls, Joe. Let me keep you on the line, Joe. Um, quickly, uh, are your wife and yourself, are you on the same page as to what you're telling your boys? Well, this is just it, Alex. I mean, we, uh, my wife and I get along uh, as opposed to the kids at school. My kids at, right. my kids tell me that the kids at school are telling them, you and mom aren't divorced because you and mom still talk and get along. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's kind of, a, imagine for that for a 10 or an 8-year-old. Well, mom and dad aren't divorced because they get along. Why? You know what I'm saying? It's, it's confusing for that. No, it's actually but not. But no, my parents got along very well. I don't think it is. Let me take you back. It's not. I, I, my, my mom and dad said, no matter how much we don't like each other, we're going to come together on the parenting. So it can be done, and I don't say it's done easily, but it can be done. But you've got the info now from Paul, and I, and I hope you can get something from it. Uh, go on his website. You know, he's got a website. He does this kind of thing. And you can see, uh, you know, some of his lessons. Maybe you can get him into your school to do a talk or introduce him to your wife and say, hey, how do we do this together to do it better, Right. So it is going to take a bit of a conversation. Sorry, I'm just trying to get that phone number or the um, I'll put Paul's um, information up after uh, we finish up this segment. I want to get uh, to Kyle. Kyle, good morning to you. What role as a parent are you playing to to, um, you know, avoid problems and issues? Well, you know, I have younger kids now, a three and a half and an eight month old. So obviously there's, you know, uh, a bit of a journey ahead before a lot of the you know current stuff that's going on. But you know, in our house, we pretty much limit screen time. You know, it's indeed like watching the Peppa Pig and all that. But any of the social media stuff going forward, my wife and I are on the same boat. You know, we're not letting them uh, get any of those um, social media accounts. You know, we're going to try and, you know, as, until basically they're getting a job uh, that they have a cell phone because, you know, I'd like to know, you know, if they need to be picked up or whatnot. So we're pretty on board with kind of just being a little more old school when we go out for dinner. We have our phones all the way, and you know what? If uh, the kids are, you know, getting a little antsy, we just bring out, out books or drawing material, play, you know, games or, or you know, I Spy, just so that you're in the present. I think people just got to get back to the, the basics. This, you know, such a crazy world right now. But, uh, you know, the kids need parents more than ever, and it's true. The legislation won't do anything. The parents need to step up. They, you know, just put down your phone and, you know, do your thing. You know, I, I listened to a yeah. podcast with Dr. Phil actually a couple of weeks ago, and he was saying, you know, talk to your kids about things that don't matter, you know, because whatever. Oh, we seem to, oh, you've cracked out on me. But your point on, on Phil, Dr. Phil, who knew that Dr. Phil all of a sudden would become like the uh, arbiter of, uh, of sanity, but of late he has been. But Paul, let me get you to weigh in on Kyle's situation because he's going all old school and I love it. He's right. Pull out a book or a coloring book at a restaurant. But, you know, we've got parents that just park their kids with devices at the dinner table. And that I think is the best time to actually talk to your kids to find out what's going on in their lives. What would your advice be? Yeah, one of the core messages I have is when you are at breakfast, lunch, and dinner, phones do not exist, tablets do not exist. It's a family engagement. Talk about what happened at school. 
they could tell you the most boring of stories, but you are going to listen, you're going to respond, and you're going to engage. They need to know that you're listening. They want to see that you're looking at them, not at a screen or at an email or at somebody else's picture on Instagram. That engagement component is so critical. What Kyle is doing, and I call it old school parenting as well, which is the engagement of parents with kids without devices. He's got years before his kids fall into the realm of potential problems. But if he goes down the path of restricting technology, limiting no technology in the bedroom, no social media till 13, no smartphones until end of grade eight high school, his kids will be well set to leave elementary school unscathed, unharmed, because the restrictions put in place will not allow them to see anything that's inappropriate or to be bullied or to be threatened. And what he's doing, listen, I'm gonna go off script here. Yesterday, I was at a cafe on Young and Lawrence waiting to speak to parents, and there was a mother and her 8, 9, 10, 11-year-old daughter playing chess in the cafe. There was not one hour, Alex, no phone, no tablet. They were playing chess, and of course, naturally, the way I am, I had to go up, compliment, say this is – I brought a smile to their face. I thought that was the most amazing thing. So, Kyle, awesome. Yeah, and they're like, who's that weird guy? I don't know. <laughs> but the bottom line is they didn't realize what an anomaly it is to see someone play chess. That is one thing we have done uh, in our house is that, you know, we're playing board games at least twice a week, like Labyrinth or something. Just, you know, we're trying everything. It's not easy. I know you know that. Um, and certainly that's why I've talked to you over the years. So what would be, Paul, just before I let you go, given the the fact that we've got this bill on the table, it will be thought about politically and all the rest of it. But what would your message be to parents? Because there are a lot of parents really torn about this. But what is it that you would want them to know um, that might actually just kind of give them some clarity of what to do? I support everything that protects kids. In fact, it would help me in my delivery of my message. But please don't expect legislation and government overreach to protect your child. It is impossible. You are the parent. You know the time to put technology in your child's hands, read the rules, engage them, make them understand why you're saying no in the world of cyber. No is a positive. It's not a negative. They're not to have social media until at least 13. I actually put a social media contract together for parents when they have it, how to prevent them from falling into traps once they are 13. Smartphones, you need to rethink this whole strategy until end of grade eight, maybe beginning of high school. Because there is zero evidence or data on how a smartphone has enhanced education in elementary schools. It doesn't exist. I ask parents every night for a document. No one seems to put up their hand. So let's remove the whole 21st century education. It's the future. If they don't have it, they're going to fail. Put all that aside. It hasn't worked. It's been a theory for eight years. It hasn't come to fruition. So you can wait and not be guilted by friends or a curriculum saying they need the phone. No, they absolutely don't. They need the human being called a teacher to educate them. And respecting the rules of no technology in the bedroom, if parents follow those three pillars of online safety, kids will be well set to enter high school, unscathed, harm, like they will not be subjected to it. Or if they see it on somebody else's phone, that can be mitigated. And of course, you can deal with it, but it won't impact them in your home and um, on your time in their bedroom by themselves where they come to you at 2 o'clock in the morning crying because you've allowed it yeah. to happen. Parenting, Alex, it's, I can't make it any simpler. I know, it really is simple, but it is yet so hard. Um, we'll talk again, Paul. I appreciate your time on this. And if you're interested in seeing um, Paul Davis, uh, what he does, go to his website, Social Networking Safety. Paul Davis and... Um, 
he'll show you. 